0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise, aka Wissam24 on the forum, and joining me today are... Ian Garfield, Ian G on the forum.
1: Tom Jones, Tommy on the forum.
2: Dan Ledwood, Ledhead27 on the forum. And I'm Dominic Vickery, Dan Rickery on the forum.
3: And Gordon Duncan, Skyflash on the forum.
0: Another combo breaker... Why isn't isn't your username your your first and full name, like the rest of us? (laughs) It was, but he changed it (laughs) by (laughs) default. Gordon's first name used to be (laughs) Skyflash. That
3: that, that is actually what I was christened, yeah. Not many
2: people know that. Not to be confused (laughs) with God, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Who said my name? Who said my name?
1: (laughs) There's a lot of uh, intellectual property issues between Gordon and the uh, train. Oh, that was...
0: Don't don't oh, include top. that in whatever you do Do not include that In the, in the finished product Jesus Christ
3: Niche Thomas
2: the Tank Engine
1: reference oh Gordon God. is he angry He didn't like that bad. reference He's going to steam off a cliff now <laughs> <laughs> The fat controller said no Oh no Thomas the
0: Tank well, Engine That was another episode of the UK air Show. <laughs> <laughs> Um so yeah joining us today is gordon um very nice to have you on the podcast gordon thank you very much it's good to be here um we're going to be talking about the north of the border uh world of air shows so lucas air show as was and of course the scottish national air show which again obviously hasn't taken place this year and gordon's going to take us on a little trip through memory lane and the uh the ins and outs of that and that we're, i think we're also going to talk about uh the the we've all known that the british Airways 747s are going being being we've all known for a while that they're going to be going and uh news this week has been has come out about potential preservation of some of the special schemed airframes and uh 747s moving around the country so that'll be nice to talk about but before we do that i'm going to ask you guys a question why is it that people seem to prefer more than anything absolutely just bang on Side-on shots of planes because you can
2: read the registration.
0: Is that why?
2: Uh, I like a photo with where you can see. the Well, because I'm a numbers guy, um, having the reg in the photo. It, well, one you can identify what it is, and two, I don't know. It's just you're a geek. I don't. I don't like side. I prefer a nice three-quarter. I was going to say. I prefer top three top
0: draw. So, so this is the thing. Was I recently what in the last couple of weeks i've been uploading some photos onto flickr uh, flickr.com slash 24 um of, <laughs> from 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 a recent uh, spotting expedition i did and a few uh, and um, i myself much prefer for example a, a front quarter shot but the photos that have got by far the most likes have just been the absolute bang on side-ons which i found very surprising and very not disappointed because i mean who cares but it's like i just don't think they're as cool and i don't get what the interest in them is versus you know a three-quarter shot the fuselage with all the engines carefully cropped in and looking very cool and all of that sort of stuff gear up is it perhaps
3: because when we think of an aircraft it's that side platform that immediately pops into your mind The, the 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 side on perspective and mm-hmm. also that that's what a majority of photographs look like because that tends to be how we see aircraft and as we all, we all we're all photographers we know that it's easier to to focus uh, a side on mm-hmm. a side on panning mm-hmm. shot um head on shots can be quite difficult to focus um, you need good lenses to to maintain focus for a fast moving subject coming straight towards you so i think there's perhaps an element of uh, simply being the most common type of photograph and therefore, that kind of in in your mind, that's how you that's how you think of the aircraft. That's that's how you expect it to look, perhaps.
1: Or well, maybe as well, they, it contains the most detail, the most stuff to look at. Maybe um, you know if you if you say you've you've got a, a front three a front third or front three courses or whatever people say about it, um, uh, you know you, you've got the the cockpit taking you know the the center of the image that's where your eyes go to sure but normally with those shots you've cropped out a, a lot of stuff um mm. it can just be a wing but there can be a lot of wing um and you might not end up seeing the rear half of the airframe beyond the tail especially if it's on landing and it's flaring um you know you might get a lot of belly uh, and not much else so maybe it's just the fact that the side-ons are where um the detail is
4: I think it depends on location as well. Because you mentioned flick. Yeah. If I think about... I mean, there's some great shots of like civil aircraft. Um, all sorts of airports around the world and stuff. But actually thinking about some of those photos, a lot of them are just side-on. But mm. I, I suppose it depends where you are and how the light is and that sort of thing as well. See, if I had the choice, I'd always go for
0: a sort of front quarter. Mm. I just think it's more... I think it's more... Or, or rear quarter. I think it's just more dynamic. More dynamic more more of an int- it's just more interesting a photograph to me for me
2: as well when I shoot sort of motorsport so cars I find I, I like a a side on sometimes conveys speed a lot more so if you've got a nice background and you you know whack the shutter speed all the way down you can get a nice image of a, a car or an aeroplane yeah but it's, that's going much, much less quick. obvious yeah. in a,
0: when you're taking a photograph of something in the sky
2: no no, I, I agree I mean like something on the takeoff off roll for instance
0: um, yeah, but I think. But you're also much less likely to be in front of the plane on the takeoff roll anyway. I'd be terrified if I was stood in front of a plane. <laughs> to roll. Ooh, not meant to be but, here, but, but but you know, given the choice, I'd much rather be in front of the plane on the takeoff roll. I think it would be way cooler than a side-on shot. Personally, be a lot louder as well.
1: Maybe it's also to do with your flicker following, and that's just what they prefer. Maybe, and it might not be respective. The, I because I'm I'm thinking you know, when I put stuff on Instagram. Um, stuff that I've got a side on shot only of doesn't get anywhere ha- anywhere near as much interest as stuff that's of a more aesthetic angle. So, but maybe can that's we, my followers. Can we swap
0: followers? Huh? Have I just got a bunch of red loggers and red spots? <laughs> you just got you just got followers.
1: Dan times four thousand. Yeah,
0: just lots of Dan's, lots of me. That's that's just the worst. That's a, a living hell. You bloody love it. <laughs>
4: I was going to say, if you think about the dog leg at uh, Shuttleworth. I think of the photos that I've taken there. I don't think I've got any that are actually around the bend, straight in front it's either. Just before they approach, so like mm. a three-quarter topside shot. I must mm-hmm. have been to the other ones. I was,
3: I was, I was going to say that topsides are perhaps the, the most, the, the most attractive, the peak. But, but your opportunities to get those are fairly limited unless you're you're somewhere like The, the Loop or, or at an airshow where, where the, the routine has specifically built in a topside pass, um, you're not going to get topside shots at an airport, for example, you're highly unlikely to. Um, so again, it's perhaps the uh, availability versus artistic merit.
2: Yeah.
4: Mm. So. What about uh, undersized shots? Because I, controversial moment, I, <laughs> I barely <laughs> take any I, I don't like it at all, but I know plenty I, of people. The, the cameras are shooting away like, unless, unless, unless,
0: unless that is directly above you, and that shows in the photo. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't. I don't. It depends what it is. Mm. Like, absolutely. Like I shot a. Uh, bul- Thank you, Ooh. NHS. Well, bu- Bulgaria. Well, th- well, well. I think that's but, that, <laughs> but, that, but that that is something to photograph. Yeah. There is actually a, a subject there. Um, I. Bombay doors th- open. Th- Bombay doors yeah, open Bombay thinking doors. Yeah, back like, dirty passes and uh, stuff like that when I went to Graphic Natieva last year there was a su 25 and it did a full on underside to us and it had all the pylons and blue colour and all the detail on the underside so that was worth photographing um, <clears throat> but it, it depends yeah if there's a subject if there's something worth photographing but otherwise so we're absolutely derailing from why we even got Gordon in the first place here but uh, my I don't even know if it's controversial I think it's perhaps just something people don't people know but haven't really thought in the same way we all know that it's the best photos have the cockpit in the shot
1: right Mm. sometimes mostly but not exclusively uh, other
0: than specific circumstances but it's a a photograph without this cockpit in isn't nearly as satisfactory as one with hence top sides I think and why if you've got a biplane if the the pilot is covered up by one by the top wing it's not quite as nice as if it's say a rear quarter shot where Da, da, da. So the reason for this, as I see it, is that the cockpit is the eyes of the plane. And when you're really into aviation, like us, we tend to anthropomorphise aircraft. We've not uh, even we anthropomorphise, but we think of them as in an organic sense to us, they're creatures, they're living things. We attach personality and character and organic qualities to them. And when you we look at any animal, humans, you know, domestic animals, any animals whatsoever, the first thing we look at is the eyes because as humans that's what we we, we do with, with, certainly with other humans and I think to certainly with other mammals, you, you tend to look straight at the eyes and the cockpit is the eyes of the plane whether that's on an airline or with just the windows at the front whether it's a fighter jet with a bubble canopy whether it's an open cockpit where you can see the pilot in that's the first thing you look at at a plane, and I think that's why it's more satisfactory to have the cockpit in, hence top sides, hence front quarters, da 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 because that gives it that quality of uh, being a a living creature an organic being um it's just more sad because that's that's where your eyes first go to and it's it's just your brain isn't quite as satisfied with it if it can't do that that that's how i've that's sort of how i've my conclusion i've sort of come to over the last few years um and i don't i don't think the the whole cockpit thing is uncontroversial is controversial at all i think that's quite a common idea in in aviation photography i don't know if anyone disagree.
3: I think there's definitely something in that because I'm thinking of aircraft where the wing sits quite far forward in the fuselage and where a true side on will actually obscure the cockpit. Um lots of warbirds for example are in that category.
1: The Blenheim, especially.
3: Yeah, yeah. And those mm. those um aircraft for a side on shot you probably won't get very many likes or comments for for perhaps the exact reason that Sam you've you've just uh, elucidated. I
0: think it might depend on what your taking photos as well I mean React uh, last year how many how many shots of the uh, I mean, 21 did you get compared to I don't know say the RAF Typhoon yeah
4: 274 against one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> only
1: 274 yeah. speaking
0: of RAF Typhoons how good does that black one look it's
1: magnificent isn't it, um, it great. yeah not
2: bad
0: it's going to be
1: going oh I set it off uh. I,
2: I I thought you were going for a really shitty segue then Sam to be honest no I no, thought no. that's what you were setting up towards
0: then no oh, um, right, but speaking of front quarter shots I noticed that that's what you did when you went and photographed the 747 <laughs> that's, came in just, that's just oh. a shittier segue <laughs>
1: <laughs> I um <clears throat> well that was,
0: some, that was where I wanted to go and then the conversation just carried on
1: I had um uh, well you're right interestingly enough keeping it in in line then making the segue work um by far, the the most love I've had on Flickr was the side-on shot I got of the uh, British Airways Negus Seven Four Seven landing at Kemble.
0: Was it the side-on that got the most likes?
1: Yeah, but on Instagram, it was the front three courses.
0: Really? Yeah, but that, the... that that might be because the the Flickr format of it's not widescreen and all that.
1: Maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah, exactly. Um, I've got no idea. I I've never been minded to, to look into it. Um, I just thought so, oh, I've got you know, one following on one site and I've got hardly any people who follow me on Flickr.
0: But betraying my ignorance here, that was Kemble, wasn't it? Wasn't
1: yeah. It? Yeah. Never spotted at Kemble before. I've been to Kemble uh, a couple of times. Normally to um pick up people who I'm attending React with. Um but I've never actually spotted at the airport. I've known of it. Um I was um the sort of the air shows that they held there they weren't before my time, but they were certainly before I moved down to South Wales, and therefore they were a little bit more accessible. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the story of the day was I had a day a day off booked anyway because um, I need to use some leave because the bloody hell else have I done during lockdown. Mm. Um, and um, uh, it looked likely that they were going to use Thursday as the last flights out of Heathrow. And the weather looked awful. And I think had I looked at the weather and then thought about booking a day off especially in an normal year I probably would have gone ah, it looks a bit crap but I thought well you know I've got leave to use so um so why not I'm not going to be doing anything else um and I went and, and I got up at um uh, my other half had a, a really early um shift in the NHS so she was up stupidly early so I didn't even need an alarm clock I just went when she went and mm. the weather was atrocious I, I haven't driven in weather like that for a long time and I like I drove across the Prince of Wales Bridge um over the Severn Estuary. and like my car was being buffeted left right centre did you spray did you any point
0: in the did you at any point in the morning look at the weather and decide not to go
1: no because I just thought um I, I was saying this to someone who was there um <laughs> who what <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Dom did. I'm not really good at picking up these little subtle digs. Yeah, Dom, I mean, you know, I'm
4: Yeah, I was saying
0: I woke up at set the alarm, woke up at five o'clock, had a look outside and it was belting it down. I had a look at all the weather forecast, horrendous. Or like three yeah, or 4 Horrendous. And there was just no signs of anything improving until later afternoon, so I thought get it, go back to bed.
4: And get back the <laughs>
1: The, do you know the clincher I I have, and it's it's actually the bane of my life now because it's worked out badly um, many times. But I've often thought, like, um, when I've committed to sort of doing something, I've got a day off, book to work or something. I don't think I'll ever be that type of person that will look at the weather on the morning off and say, "Ah, oh, no, I won't bother with it," because I always think, like, this, this is the last thing I think before I set off. Um, what is the what outweighs what the weather being crap and me just being sort of sat in my car in the rain fine all right that's not a great you know it's not a really appealing prospect but on the other side how much will i kick myself if i don't do something yeah. and it and it turns out okay um and it's that's gone wrong so many times um, but on Thursday it went right and yeah when I was driving there I thought this is god awful this is literally the worst weather I've ever seen for a, well not ever seen but for a very long time and it was horrible and there was some knobhead who was driving 65 on the motorway with his main beams stuck on and I couldn't mm-hmm. get him to turn them off and so I'd been dazzled and he wouldn't bloody overtake me until I slowed down to 50 and then I was there late um, anyway so at Kemble there's a it literally it was the worst morning ever and at Kemble there's a um, uh, a small layby um, just off there's, there's a main road that runs alongside part of the um, of the airfield which is where there's a, a a huge line of um british airways 747s now which looks quite sad i mean they look in good Nick but they haven't got any engines so you know mm. um and um there's a small lay by there which a truck and a half could pull in in a normal day but um obviously that was crammed very very quickly, and that's just opposite the threshold for the two six runway i think um so it's very similar orientation to Fairford's It's by one degree on the, you know, um... ten degrees. Fair...
2: <laughs> what? Ten degrees. Is it? So uh, runway two seven is two seven zero degrees, and then runway two six is
0: two six zero degrees.
1: I forgot we have an airline pilot on this. Not being funny, Tom. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an
0: airline pilot, and I knew that. Like that's.
1: All right, chill out, Sky God, and wannabe. Sky God. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all right. Point is, you know. Um, the 2-6, on, on, whatever, it's a similar orientation to Fairford. And so there's this lay-by that you can park in. And you can be on the south side of the runway, which is obviously... So the sun's behind you. Um, that's not really... The sun wasn't the thing that I was thinking about when it happened. I just thought, there's a lay-by. And I don't really fancy going to the cafe, because I thought the cafe would be the thing... Which is north side, so you're facing south. Um, the cafe is going to be absolutely rammed. So I thought, I'll just go to the lay-by. It's easier... It's on the way, it's on the main road, whatever. I arrived at 6.30 that morning in the pitch black, because now it's October, F, and um, it was still <sighs> chucking it's, it's, it down with rain.
0: It's weird, though, isn't it, how it's, it's dark? It still, fe- October, still
1: feels right? like March. It still feels like March or April, yeah. right? Like, because yeah. there's been no events to frame mm-hmm. the year for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, horrible. And it was crap, and it was cold, and um, I was one of the last cars into that lay-by, there was there was a truck parked there, and I thought, mm, "There's no signs of life in that, so hopefully that's okay." No, no, no. the The truck driver woke up and wanted to leave, and so like there was a <laughs> lot of shimmying going on on a main road where there's a lot of busy traffic. Um, Do you
0: think that guy that sat in the truck suddenly woke up and kind found of himself just <laughs> mobbed? Pat, yeah, he did. He
1: got out and he was like, well, none of you were here before. <laughs> Crap! <laughs> and to his credit, he stayed as long as possible and he was like, why is everyone here? And then we were like, oh, this is coming in at X time. And he was like, oh, I've got to get going by then. We are like, oh, shit. Oh, that's shame. Um, there was some very dodgy parking as well. So I was the last in the lay-by. There and then, is, isn't there? um well this is the thing, so um, not far from the lay-by, well, I say not far, it's like a mile down the road, is Kemble train station, with a huge overflow car park, and you can park there, you have to pay, but you, you can park there so it's a place to stick your car, and I was fully prepared, if the layby is full, to park in the train station, and um, and walk a mile with a ladder so actually, I, the first thing, I went straight past the layby. because it was so dark I couldn't actually work out how many people and there was like some knobhead in a bmw behind me who was like up my bum and i so i i I sort of slowed down and sort of did a drive by the lay by and i thought that that looks full went to the train station and the weather was so crap i thought i'm not walking with my ladder with my step ladder to look over the fence all the way to that lay by with no protection at all to sit Mm -hmm. and drizzle for four hours or three hours or whatever. i will be dead so i thought i'll find a way so i went back um and I did manage to get in. I like I said, I was the last or last but two cars in. And then the truck driver had to go. So it all went okay. Um but the weather was just crap for ages. And we were all looking at the weather radar and the sort of the, the front was clearing off. And then it did that really annoying thing, you know, when you're spotting and the front looks like it's going past you and then it stops and then just keeps going diagonally on top of you, so you're at the very yeah. edge of it and it keeps going. I was like, Fuck's sake. Um and um, anyway, really annoying and it the cloud was so low and by this point they'd taken off so we were all watching the live stream which looked a bit crap i'm not gonna lie it was just it was crap because the the thing that i was in driving in had then gone on to london (laughs) um so it was really awful and um obviously that's no fault of anyone who was there it's just (laughs) crap weather um so they'd taken off they'd done the fly pass with the other jet that had gone to Car- that go, sorry St. Athen not Cardiff that had gone to St. Athen um, so that had landed and then this one was sort of circling over Brise at 7,000 feet <laughs> and we watched it do this racetrack and every time it hit that one corner of the racetrack where we thought it would either do an approach or divert we were like <gasps> and it just went around again like oh, Christ and it, it said it only had half an hour's worth of fuel but it was there for an hour and a half so Christ knows what's yes. going on there Um And suddenly this sort of like, this tiny bit of blue appeared, and we're like, oh no look, there's blue sky now, if BA had just waited a bloody hour we would be fine Um, and then another bit of blue appeared, and then another bit and then another bit, and then all of a sudden like, the the clouds just just disappeared, in in three or four minutes, they, I mean they came back again just as quickly as well, but there was that one hole that, they, that the crew must have been waiting for and they were flying at 2,000 feet from Bryce Norton all the way to Campbell which is quite a lot quite a distance um, they flew the shallowest approach <laughs> I've seen the airline take, and it was just like it felt like it was on the horizon forever um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it came in and not only did it come in in, in no rain the sun appeared briefly for it to arrive so it, it just it timed that gap so well um, and we were all convinced that it was diverting to Cardiff um, sorry St. Athen St. Athen's next to, like it's the other one from Cardiff um, and everyone was saying Cardiff and so it's in, in my brain St. Athen they were going di- to divert to um, which would have been which would have sucked uh, but no the the sun the sun came out clouds parted and it arrived just in time um, and someone i'm not gonna say who but someone was texting me the other side of the airfield and i said to them that morning i was like well look you're the other side of the airfield but i don't think shooting into the sun's going to be a problem so you know we'll, we'll all just take what we can get no the sun came out and they were very <laughs> annoyed that they got very, very bad <laughs> shots because there was lots of spray as well so it was all like you know all the spray got caught in the sun um yeah, incredible day. Absolutely, no, I, I've never had weather like that when spotting. I've had very bad weather, and I've had very good weather, and I've had weather that's miraculously clear, but I've never seen anything like that. And just after it landed, um, all these clouds started forming up again and bubbling up. Um, crazy. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people now want to go to Cardiff or St. Athen to see um, those that are either being flown out again or scrapped. Apparently, those in Cardiff are being flown out, but we can't mm. th- th- there's, there's nothing the problem with all of this stuff is that there's nothing official saying what they're going to do, which is a bit odd for a commercial you know for a military outfit you're used to it, but for a commercial thing, you would have thought they would have said something but um Cardiff's in local lockdown at the moment, so my office is in Cardiff so I could probably justify going but a lot of people are going to come over the border expecting to go to Cardiff come um, over
0: um, the border
1: (laughs) yeah they are, true it's a border, they're going to come over it and (laughs) Mm. Ian, can you edit that out? no (laughs) (laughs) Um, but a lot of of people are going to try and get to Cardiff um, not necessarily realising that there's local restrictions um, which is going to be a bit toasty. Um, we also don't know where they're going to take the, those that are left including the Landor and the BOAC schemes. Um, we also don't know where they're going to go. Uh, Campbell would be a, a decent choice. St. Athen maybe but bloody hell. It's li- it's a mile between the ends of either runway so or like two miles. So can you imagine like, taking off from Cardiff all the way to go to St. Athen? You think if we're going to get airborne we might as well go to bloody Campbell um, make a flight of it.
2: So a couple of the um, before they retired Um, these 747s, the last batch, um, BA have been slowly winding down their BA 747 fleet. I think 2022 or 2024 was their actual retirement year. Um, Now, there has been a couple that were in Cardiff and did the jump to St. Athen, and I was fully expecting them to go literally up and then back down again. But they actually departed Cardiff and then sort of did a circuit and then came back round to St. Athens almost to reposition onto the approach more, so I don't think they'd actually hop up then hop off again.
1: Oh no, they couldn't, you, you can't I don't think you could physically um, manoeuvre the aircraft. Yeah, it, it's too tight. When I um I, I, when the Tornadoes did their retirement, they did fly pass at both um, St. Athens and Cardiff and obviously as they were local to me at the time, I and now um, I went down and I sat in the middle between St Athen and Cardiff and they, they curved round and that, that was the only position that was, that was you know faster aircraft there's no way you can do that in a 747 no. so
2: sad times
0: sad times it is but the potential of them being preserved is good
2: yeah that is good um, but it, I think big airliners somewhat get neglected partly part because of how partly because of how big they are you know it's a bit of a logistical nightmare to 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 move a big airline into a, you know a, a normal sized museum but I, I think top marks if they are going to do something with the airframes
1: if they yeah. do I still I still yeah, see nothing if, official yeah
0: yet. I think that's half the reason I'm not that disappointed to have not gone to see it if it was going there to be scrapped yeah I'd be I'd be pretty good but it's not so well hopefully So, Gordon, what was Lucas Airshow like?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Best segue ever. It was was very like a 747.
3: Uh, (laughs) I I, I have no idea where I'm taking that.
2: Has has Lucas ever had a 747 display? (laughs) Uh, Not
3: that I can recall, but I think in 1986 it did get a visit from a BA Concorde. So it's not nice. the
2: same, mate. So Concorde and 747s are two different aeroplanes.
3: Well, well uh, so I'm led to believe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but both, got
4: four, both got four engines. So so, so. my sources tell me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what? yeah, we've obviously got you on to talk about Scottish shows and particularly Lucas, which I don't know if any of the rest of us have been to when I've it was obviously been. still on. Nope. What... And, and and people who who have been people who talk about it talk about it in unbelievably, you know, nostalgic, um, f- loving terms, and it seems like it really was a fantastic show. And I mean, I the only thing I know particularly about it was it was able to get things like that Austrian QRA demo.
3: Indeed, yeah.
0: So was it was it a show that pulled that kind of star act and could could stand out? On the European, certainly the British, and, and maybe even the European scene.
3: The best way to to describe Lookers to someone that never made it, um, a, a fellow British enthusiast who never made it to the show, is that it was very similar to Yeovilton. Uh, and I, I I attended my first Yeovilton last year with yourself, Sam, and Tom, mm-hmm. um, and loved it. And part of the reason why I loved Yeovilton so much was because wandering around the the showground at Yeovilton gave me a massive kind of Proustian nostalgia hit. For for Lucas, it was so. And atmosphere-wise, it was so similar. It was just that feel of a frontline air defence station um, hosting a proper open day, and that's that's what Lucas Airshow was. It was a proper open day um, with the people based at the station taking a real pride in showing off their day-to-day jobs and indeed the the machines that were that were stationed there. Um, I would say the main difference between Lucas and Yeovilton was that Lucas had a much longer um, crowd line, so the the crowd line at okay. is quite is quite restricted, um, whereas the Lucas crowd line was uh, sort of full length of the of the runway, um, and it had a slightly bigger static uh, layout than than Jobleton as well, and that extra space that they had to play with did indeed mean that they um, they, they attracted a fair few gems. Uh, the airshow organisers built up a very good relationship with the USAF and i think between 2002 and the very last show in 2013 um if there was a year when they didn't secure a static b52 then that would have been an exception um the re- repeat repeat uh, b52 on static uh, i remember one year i think it might have been 2010 2011 there was an ehc j stars on static alongside the b52 mm-hmm. so two um, hugely impressive american airframes um, and uh, the B fifty two tended to be dragged across by um, a KC ten and a KC one thirty five support aircraft, and the one thirty five uh, usually came from the New Hampshire Air National Guard. Uh, again, an ANG, which we don't tend to see uh, this side of the yeah. Atlantic very often.
0: That's really I I had no idea. I mean, it's it's really interesting that you you draw the comparison with Yawltown because I've long, you know, I've I've only been going to Yawltown since. Well yeah, it would be twenty thirteen funny enough a horrible coincidence um but i've always it's always been the atmosphere well the the the, the quality of star accident uh draws but the, the atmosphere at yobleton does set it apart i think so it's in it's interesting you draw that comparison um How long had you been going to lucas
3: so i my association with the ocean goes all the way back to nineteen eighty two um, when I was taken at the uh, grand old age of four by my parents and in <laughs> hindsight and I, I'm sure they, they they hadn't anticipated this but that really was the the start of uh, what, what has been a lifelong love affair with aviation so mm. Lookers, Lookers was really where I cut my teeth um, in an aviation sense I don't have too many memories of the 82 show but the one thing that <laughs> I do remember is um, parking at the railway station. That was an, another of the of the great attractions of Lookers was that it was the only UK air show with its own railway station, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, get, getting out of the car and seeing this massive, big delta-shaped aircraft uh, displaying off in the distance, and that uh, it was the it was the Vulcan. So that that was the first the first ever air show act that I saw uh, was the Vulcan wow. Vulcan, Vulcan, Vulcan turning Vulcan. turning over over Lookers. Yep, yep, mad. So. Yeah, quite a quite a thought, and and um, I think like like most UK shows, it went through an absolutely golden patch in the in the nineties. Uh, most famously, the Russian Knights in ninety one, um, which they shared with Finningley, and then in ninety two, um, a Su twenty seven solo display, and um, a Su twenty four Fencer, uh, which joined the Static Park, um, which came across with the with the twenty seven, uh, also wearing the red, white, and blue test pilot colours. Uh, m- one of what must be very few visits by that type to a UK show mm. 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 so yes it had a, it had a, 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 an enviable re- t- reputation for attracting genuine um, rarities uh, some of my personal highlights from the from the years that I was going aside from the 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 russian invasion in 91 um portuguese a7s in 97 i think and um, uh, Italian F one hundred fours ninety six ninety seven and I think two thousand yes, 2002. and two yes two thousand and two and one of one of which uh, was the the wonderful TF one hundred four G the, the the twin seater and uh, I'll never forget the Formula One racing car esque howl as it uh, <laughs> dragged its dragged its way around the circuit a uh, wonderful memory
2: and obviously well as i know cuz i now live in edinburgh one of the perks of living in scotland is you get four seasons in a day <laughs> yes um, and you know Presswick i think i'm i'm a assu- week. sorry uh, lucas was always a september um, show um on the whole was it good weather bad weather or was it four seasons in a day all the time
3: there was <laughs> there was an assumption that hosting a show in september in scotland was uh, downright risky <laughs> uh, and and indeed, uh, there there was one one year. I think I think it was two thousand and eight, where uh, the rest of the UK basked in glorious sunshine, and just that small chunk of East Central Scotland, covering most of Fife, <laughs> down to about Edinburgh, was completely fogbound, and almost hmm. nothing got airborne, including the Vulcan Five Five Eight, making its first uh, return to lookers since nineteen ninety two. Uh, hugely hyped in advance of course we're all looking forward to it this bloody north sea har rolls in <laughs> in the morning <laughs> obscures <laughs> everything and restricted 558 to a couple of fast passes down the runway um and th- and that was it fast taxis and 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 that was it so everybody everybody went home thoroughly disappointed i would say that 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 tended not to happen too often uh, the weather could be very changeable and of course from a photographic point of view uh, Lookers wasn't great because it was uh, the the crowd line was south facing, so you were you were into the sun for the whole day. Um, okay, that did, however, mean um, you know the the propensity for the Scottish weather to be uh, precipitous. Um, <laughs> it, did, it did allow for some fairly spectacular vapor shots, um, and I remember um, Marky McEwen, uh, former UCAR uh, staffer, uh, once uh, catching an extremely spectacular photograph of the Tornado F three solo. Um, Effectively becoming the R three double, uh, the, uh, the the silhouette reflecting uh, against a rainbow cloud, um, wow, just wow, because wow. you're shooting oh, wow. straight straight into the straight into the sun on a, a day with, with a lot of vapor, uh, a lot of moisture in the atmosphere. So, um, whilst the the photographic conditions weren't ideal, they they could occasionally work in your favour.
1: Were you there for the um, flick knife farewell in 2010? And what was that like?
3: I was, yeah, 2011, I think. Was it 2011? I think it was 2011, March 2011.
1: Was it 11? Yeah. The well, the F3s were retired in 2011. I thought their final show. Oh, was sorry, in, I see. Was me, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the, uh, the
3: the the last airshow appearance was was indeed 2010, and um, yeah, yeah, fond fond memories of that show. Actually, that, that was a that was a, a very very good Lucas Air Show. Last appearance by Harrier as well, of course, 2010. Um, <laughs> And there was a there was a real effort to um to show off the f. threes for the for the last time. I think that 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 was again it was it was one of the the nice quirks of the show was that you you genuinely had the feeling that the organisers listened to feedback. Um through the early two thousands there was a a frequent not not criticism but but certainly feedback from the from the the public that they could do more to to incorporate the based aircraft into the into the show. And certainly from about 2006 onwards, that was very much the case. Uh, they started to put together mass launches of the of the F3s, mass formations, and that continued into the Typhoon era. So um, again, willi- willingness to to listen to what people were saying, and a willingness to incorporate the base aircraft. Again, like Jowleton.
2: Um So obviously, uh, Lucas came to an end unfortunately in 2013. Um, you you lot might be able to. Know better than what I do. What was the? Why did Why did Lucas stop? What was the reasoning for the Lucas show's ending?
3: Because the station was handed from the RAF over to over to the army. Um,
2: What a dumb question that was, Ian. Cut that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are they called the Red Arrows because they're painted red?
1: (laughs) And there's obviously no desire for a, a lossy mouth event. Although the runway still is in pretty decent nick, at Lucas. They deployed temporarily there for
3: yeah, hosted hosted QRA for um, about six weeks there during the summer whilst uh, whilst Lossiemouth was um, was on that under construction. Yeah, so and and indeed there were quite a few live um, QRA launches during the during the typhoon relocation.
1: So theoretically, still able to to host an air show. It it,
3: it. it would be, yeah, yeah. Run Runway is still active. It's still got um, heck of a lot of hard standing. All the um, has shelters are still there as well.
0: So I wonder why there why wonder why there isn't the will to hold another air show.
3: I know it's a it's a pity. I mean the the it has to be said that the the Scottish uh, air show at um, at East Fortune, Scottish National Air Show, um, and the International Air Show at Air Crestwick have both. Uh, Filled the void um, really nicely. Uh, they've 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 both stepped up, but the one thing that they can't offer, like Lookers, is a is a full static display. Yeah, um, which which is, is a is a real miss.
0: What are those two shows like? Because again, never been to them. The um, the the certainly the Scottish. Scottish International Air Show, is that right? That's that's
3: the one at um, Air Prestwick. Um, so the, the aircraft yeah. are, the, the aircraft tend to sit at Prestwick, but the show actually takes place at the waterfront at Air, and it is very much a seaside show. Okay. Um, whereas um, with the show at um, East Fortune, which is billed as the Scotland's national air show and is run by the team behind RIAT, Air to Two Events, um, it um, obviously takes place on the, on the museum, um, and your, your day ticket uh, for the air show gets you access to all the museum exhibits as well. Um, and it, they, they, are, they are both very successful shows. They're, they're, they're quite different. Um, the, the show at East Fortune tends to be a little more Warbird-focused, um, whereas the international air show, the one at AIR, um, why they don't call it the AIR show, A-Y-R, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. show, I don't know. Note, very, note, very. Note, note, note to the organisers, you can have that one for free. Um, <laughs> they've, they've, done, they've done very well in recent years with some pretty exotic uh, international participation. Uh, we had the um, Swedish historics, including the the Draken and the Wiggen in 2015, um, mm. the Belgian F-16 solo and the Swiss F-18 uh, solo. Um, and indeed the the, the show at East Fortune has has attracted international participation too it had the Swiss PC7 demo team a few years ago and an ultra rare uh, demonstration by a Norwegian P3 uh, yes. which if 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 we got that at a at a RIA, then we'd all be delighted so for a for a relatively small um, regional show like East Fortune to pull off a coup like that was most impressive.
0: So I have a question that's actually just occurred to me just now and it uh, sort of Came to it because it occurred to me we're, we're hit, we've got you on. Obviously, people probably realise by now that you're Scottish. Um, <laughs> we've got you on the podcast to talk about Scottish air shows. Probably, I don't think we've ever mentioned them before. Do you think Scot Scottish air shows, Scottish aviation, the in general, not the company, obviously, um, gets <laughs> forgotten about or overlooked in the general British aviation enthusiasm slash air show scene because Everyone goes to react, and obviously loads of it, most everything is now down south. There's not all that much up in the north, and then particularly you go to Scotland. and it, it, it feels like we've, it almost feels like we've got you on from a you know, a weird exotic country to tell us about the, the strange air shows that you have over there that we don't know anything about, when realistically we should be given should know as much about them and given the same attention as any of the shows we, we all go to as a group. Um, and perhaps Lucas did have that that attention and that draw. Maybe, maybe it didn't. I don't know. But do do? You, am I right in that, or is that? I think it's a good point,
3: and I think I I don't personally get the feeling that that Scottish aviation and Scottish air shows are neglected. But then, of course, I I go to them all. So mm. so <laughs> uh, it's it's difficult for me to put myself into the into into someone else's shoes and and kind of try to try to look at it from the perspective of an outsider. The loss of Lookers doesn't help with that per- with that perception <coughs> because it was a major international air show. Um, I mean, size wise, it probably sits between Yeovilton, slightly bigger than Yeovilton, and Waddington. It was slightly smaller than the than the show at Waddington. Um, so that so losing losing a show of that magnitude and and of that cachet, you know, it, it was the last surviving Battle of Britain at home day, uh, and that also gave it a real cachet. Um, losing that has not helped. But as I said, the um, the the other two air shows have done a great job of of um, stepping into the gap. And whilst they can't offer the the same experience that Lucas had with the the absence of a static display, uh, like I said, they've both done a really good job. They, um, they've 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 managed to keep the, the the scene going. I think a lot of us um, probably feared the worst with the the loss of Lucas mm. in twenty thirteen. But um, fortunately, I'm pleased to report that the uh, the death of Scottish air shows has been greatly exaggerated.
2: <laughs> well, one thing that I'd say, um, just to jump in on, on your question, as someone that's not from Scotland originally but has moved up here, I find it almost I, almost different to what you're saying, Gun. I find it quite um, eye-opening how different the air show scene is here compared to what it was in the UK. I mean, okay, fine. Sheffield isn't particularly anywhere near.
0: Going to stop you there, Dan. Scotland is still part of the UK. Ah, oh, I'm England.
2: Sorry for, for,
0: for how much longer. Who knows? For, yeah, let's <laughs> wait for that. A bit of a, bit of a Freudian <laughs> slip there, maybe. But um, Ian's got a lot of editing <laughs> on <laughs> again. No, no, keep, keep that. Anything to make Dan look like an idiot.
2: Um, and you know from Sheffield you could go to Cosford you could do Waddington it's not a million miles away really to get to the Cotswolds but now I mean I moved up at a time when Lucas hasn't been around for quite some time now and there as, as Gordon says you've got the show at air at Presswick and you've got East Fortune for the few years that I've been up here in Scotland the weather during the weekend of the show at East Fortune has been crap which is then, and it's it's always been one of those because you can get tickets on the day and I've always gone, hmm, I live in Scotland, I'll probably wait till on the day to book my tickets. And I've been keen to go, but then I've looked at the weather and gone, no, mm, there's not really any point. And because the weather's so bad, I've ended up not doing any shows up here. And I end, I've i now found myself, you know, it's, it's quite a logistical exercise to get down to Riyadh. Um, it's been one thing that's always put me off going to Yeovil. it's a show that I've always wanted to do Yeovil, but it's literally the other end of the country now and that's the only thing that I find is a bit of a negative being in Scotland is that you're now limited to two shows both well the, the Scottish National show is a one day show only so if the weather's pants you're basically writing off a, a whole year almost unless you're willing to travel
1: the thing that strikes me is that um It's not necessarily Scottish air shows, but there's geographically there's a huge gap between the north.
3: Yeah, I was exactly the point that I was about to make.
1: Yeah, air shows down south, and then sort of um, uh, you know north of sort of the Midlands. There's a huge gap geographically in terms of, you know, the Sunderland air show perhaps. But Um, even even
0: when you had the the lights of Waddington and that, and then Scampton, there's still a huge gap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, the, yeah, The, the Sun, Sunderland International Air Show, which, which um, by all accounts is a, is a very competent show, but even then, that's um, sort of you know, <laughs> it's quite out the way. Yeah, it, you it, know, leeming for example would be, an, would be an show. ideal. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that there's a large gap for a pretty large population. Um, like I said, Sunderland, um, uh, Blackpool, maybe. Well, there was not not, a, there was the Skylight ones
2: at Durham Tees that never sort of really went anywhere as well. And that's the only other one that I can think of that's been a non-seaside show that well, it just didn't really get off the ground pardon the pun
4: how many shows in England do you attend Gordon obviously met you at Riyadh um, yeah. the other year but what what else apart from
3: so re- Riyadh every year uh, I did Waddington oh, um, three times and actually it's it's a it's a good point that you make about about Warrington which was perhaps the furthest north of the major shows in England that 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 survived even even Warrington was a 5 hour drive from from Edinburgh yeah. um mm. you know it re- required time off work hotels etc etc there's a bit of logistical planning it wasn't just a case of here I can jump in the car and go to Warrington you know it was a, it re- required a bit of um, forethought um I did Mildenhall uh, back in the day also very much missed <coughs> um and I think that's, that is essentially it. So I, I tend to focus my efforts on I'll, I'll do React every year, and then it's um, it's foreign shows. And, you know, I've been to mm. been to most of the major European shows, uh, and and over the Atlantic to Oshkosh a couple of times.
1: I suppose but if you're gonna if you're gonna make a, a a flight down to the south of the UK, you might as well pop on a similarly priced flight to Belgium or France or something.
3: Yep, it takes me it takes me as long to fly to Amsterdam or Brussels as it does to fly to London. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so in that in that sense doing a, a Leovard and a Kleiner Brogel event is is no more or less tricky than, than doing Fairfoot.
1: Mad
4: we've well, spoken about the post react Blues. I've now got an image of you driving back up to Edinburgh crying your eyes out at the steering wheel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stopping at that service station that's shaped like a weird watchtower on the M5. <laughs> <laughs> really sad KFC.
0: It is interesting, though, because it is... It's, you know, we think about my question, because it's like, if you live in the south of England, you've got so much down here just in general not even just air shows but aviation stuff going on that you just wouldn't really consider Scotland as an option because you either got to fly up there and then you got to you know you want to spend a few days up there to make it worthwhile or it's a very long drive and it's it, it just in realistic terms you know I, I don't mean to try and say well, why would you bother Scotland at all but it's just realistic it's south of England is where the population is you know it's the, the majority population in the UK but um, I think
1: and where the air bases are. A lot of them are a legacy World War II airfields, yeah. or at least that's their gestation. And, and obviously they were further down south because that's where Europe was, or they were on the east side of Scotland, like Lucas and Lossiemouth.
4: Mm. If you think back to like 10, 15, 20 years, ago, the number of air shows that were the length and breadth of the, of the country, um, you know, there was something where you wouldn't have to travel that far pretty much for everybody now in the climate that we're in the past uh well three, four years really I think if you had a show like East Fortune or something up at Prestwick if there was a, a gem that arrived like I'd say the Swedish Historics or something like that you would have so many people that would consider driving up from England from the Midlands from London mm. maybe going mm. making the journey all the way up there which you probably wouldn't have done you know say 15 years ago Um it, it it's you know the way that the aviation scene has changed in the last few years and they're but not
2: p- they're not particularly hard places to get to i mean east fortune's just off the a1 and then press work you can hop on the motorway basically all the way up there you know it's not like they're in the end of nowhere's and you're three hours on backwack b roads it's you know they're easily accessible places
4: yeah I, I don't think i would have even considered it. i probably would have seen but uh, was or something, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. Oh, we going to make that journey. Now, if there was something special there, even if it was you know, down south, um, I, I think you mentioned Bournemouth on one of the podcasts uh, a, a while ago. I, I really wish I'd gone down there. But yeah, you know, I, I would go up to Scotland to, to see something. And it, you know, it, it's quite a drive from where I am. But like I said, the, the roads, the infrastructure these days, it's you get up there. It's a long journey, but it's, it's it would be worth going to. yeah
1: I'd be quite tempted. Um, it, the, the, well, the temptation that I've had is not necessarily air shows, but things, exercises like Joint Warrior. Um, uh, a couple of times, I've thought, mm, I thought, I actually would really like to go up there and do that. And I, I, one, I think twice, I've looked at flights and hotels, um, and in the end, I sort of found a reason um, uh, not to do it or, or whatever. But um, that also holds temptation because there's a lot of military stuff going on. Um, in Scotland, mm. um, I, I think what our chat has highlighted is that there's just a huge geographical gap between so many things happening in the south and um, a pretty smorgasbord of stuff going on in Scotland. And then, you know, I think if people in perhaps you know, Leeds or uh, Carlisle, well, maybe not Carlisle because you know they can get to Glasgow or something, but Leeds, Preston, Manchester, Liverpool, um, you know. Uh, Southport and Blackpool air shows, perhaps, but there's it. It shows the the lack of RAF air shows, and I think that's that, that the middle the, the, key the middle point. third
3: of 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 Britain. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a really good point. Yeah, yep.
1: I, and I, I think we genuinely are missing a Battle of Britain Day air show mm. that I don't think a civilian air show could, nor would it be appropriate for, um, to do. In the same way that perhaps the RAF could or should do, so maybe the RAF just needs to butt their ideas up. Well, essentially, that that
3: was Finningley, um, yeah, what, yeah. what you've just described, and and of course mm. intended it intended it to be the same weekend as Lucas, They shared assets.
1: Perhaps one, one would have thought, you know, RAF Leeming. It's it's a quiet airfield. It's not a frontline base, but it's still an RAF base. It's Hawk's mm. base there. Perhaps an ideal place. City and Yorkshire. just off the A one. Yeah, just off the A one.
0: Thing is, there's there's no shortage of places. It's just the will to do it, isn't there?
1: It's the will at the right level. I'm sure on a base level and on a personnel level, um, most RAF people you would speak to would be very happy to give up a weekend to do it. If I was in the RAF, I'd be happy to. to I mean, I'm happy to do all sorts of different things on a weekend if if it means showing off. There, are, there are plenty of plane <laughs> so, in the RAF. Yeah, but what? do you, well, you, you think? But the no, no, no. But I'm, I'm 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 agreeing no, with you. No, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I that's what I mean is that. It's the will at the right level. It's yeah. the will at the committee, Whitehall, MOD sort of level, um, where where people start to get faceless. You know, you look at um, RAF Cosford, which is the last RAF air show, and there's just a, a different vibe, and it's the same vein as Yeovilton and what I imagined Lucas would have been, um, and it's there's there's just that sort of vibe of an RAF. Or a Royal Navy, or or whatever service, opening its doors and saying, "Come and have a look at what we do." You know, you're paying us. Come and have a look. Here's a Jaguar on on you know Jax or something. Do you want to do some riveting cool? Let's go over here. Here's a QRA Typhoon. This is what we do. Here's a picture of all the th- stuff we've intercepted in the last couple of years. Here's a, a, a Commando Assault finale. Um, the Royal Marines love showing off what they can do, um, and it's because they all have that sort of unique sort of vibe you just can't get as at a uh, civilian show. Mm. Um, so and yeah, I th- think it's lacking.
2: I th- I think a prime candidate, I mean obviously you've got you know, sensitivity around new equipment and things like that is uh, Lossy Mouth because they have I don't know how many Gordon would probably be able to answer this better than me. Uh a three or four Typhoon squadrons three at least and and now the P-8s as well this is and my precise my point you've got a brand new RAF aircraft Mm. yeah Yeah, do something with it have a have an open day the only the only problem is
3: of course that that even within a Scottish context Lossy Mouth is so so remote for oh, for 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 us, Dan from from Edinburgh, it's a four-hour drive. In fact, four four yeah. in a bit. Wow. Um, you know, I I know from from experience that if I if I leave the house at five a.m., I can be at the end of the runway at Lossiemouth for about nine a.m. or just after nine. Um, so it's right. a, it's a fearsome fearsome old drive, and and on a not particularly pleasant road. I mean, there are plans to to make the the A9 uh, dual carriageway all the way uh, between Perth and Inverness, but that's the that's your main artery for getting people up to the north of Scotland. And it's quite frankly, it's a bloody awful road. It's mm.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's it's quite pretty though. You're going what straight through the Cairngorms? A- yeah, absolutely yeah. stunning.
3: You know, right right through the heart <laughs> of the island. It's just a terrible road covered
2: in poo. Your your nearest
3: big <laughs> your nearest big city is Aberdeen, and that's an hour and a half from from Lossiemouth on on possibly an even worse road. Um, you know, just just the the it's it's not the base itself; it's the surrounding kind of. Transport infrastructure um, would just make it would just make it really problematic. There's no big towns either. Elgin's a population of what thousand it's not really a, a, a sizable place at all. Inverness, which is about an hour away, is um, slightly more substantial, but again, not not huge. Um, you know, if 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 they were to try and host a major military show there, um, with a kind of full uh, participation and and, try and attract visitors from all over the UK and perhaps further afield. I'm not absolutely sure that the local infrastructure would cope terribly well with it.
2: And I, think, so I, think this is, I think this is where the, the loss of lucas hits home even harder. Yeah, yeah
3: because Lucas you could—I mean, you could feasibly, because of the, the the railway station, you could feasibly stay in Edinburgh and do Luccers. It wouldn't have been too difficult. And Dundee is a major city; it was just the other side of the team So, mm. mm-hmm.
4: yeah, oh, that's right. No crowd sounds like the perfect day of show to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> great! Great! great line. No, no joke. public distance. Let's right. let's
2: let's make this happen. <laughs> UK airshow, airshow.
3: <laughs> indeed, indeed. No, Lossy Mouth is well worth a visit. If you ever, if you do ever find yourselves in that part of the world, it's a, it's a wonderful base with, with superb um, viewing uh, opportunities at, at both ends of the runway.
1: I'm very tempted for Spot you know, to, to do a joint war. Yeah.
3: Once, once, once the joint warrior is back at Lossiemouth, yeah, well worth, well worth a visit.
4: I've been um, to Lossiemouth when the when the Jaguars were there and uh, Kinloss as well. There's a really nice nature walk just by the threshold of the runway, and uh, very here,
3: picturesque. Yeah. And i I can remember I can remember Shackleton's uh, being based at Lossiemouth
4: Mouth oh, wow. the
3: late I late eight
4: eighties, I think. Wow. When I had hair, I had a nice centre party for my from a Nimrod coming. Shows how long ago that was.
1: You still do, do you?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's my excuse anyway. <laughs>
2: To be honest, I mean it's it's it's. I mean it isn't picturesque at all, because um, it's well half of it's an industrial estate. But I'd recommend anybody to do to do a day at Presswick.
0: Press well, I, I did a day at Presswick with Dan a couple of weeks ago, ago. Sheer weeks ago. variety and of tight we'd, and we'd, incredible. Well, we didn't see that much. To be fair, um, what did we, you see? We saw two US Air Force. C one thirty h's, which I was not unhappy with in the slightest. I'm not complaining. I was absolutely over the moon with them. Um, and there, was a, K- it, there a... was a there was a KC forty six uh, parked on the tarmac. I didn't do anything, but that that did sour the whole day. To be fair, <laughs> um, I thought spending the whole day with me was was sour enough. Oh, well, I, I got my own back on you that day, didn't I? To be fair, well, <laughs> throughout the day, um, <laughs> um, but that was Dan's cooking, so you can blame him for that one. <laughs> Well, right. I
2: mean, press, Presswick's one of those places you either get it on a good day or you get it on a bad day. Um, like I've just put some pictures on, on the forum, which I'm sure Sam will plug at the end of this podcast. Um, and you can, you can... I mean, I got um, the Joint Warrior stuff, which, as you say, once it moves back to Lossie, it'll be bare because it's, it's very spread out at the moment. You've got Hawks in Aberdeen, you've got MPA, or some of the MPA stuff in Presswick exactly i got a you know there's not many bases that you can go to in the uk which can boast three voyages a french navy atl2 and then a us army ro6a it's the the variety is brilliant on a on was a day
0: the ro6a for joint warrior or was it just going no three?
2: that was that was just a, but you you get all this weird stuff on on night stops <coughs> like the ro6a was on a night stop there's been a couple of mc12s through this week on night stops
4: I joined e- that um, f- uh, Scottish Aviation Facebook group uh, last week I think it was just out of curiosity and uh, I was just quite surprised to see the stuff that had been through Press Week and there was uh, was it a Beach, a- Beach amazing, 18 that had been through on its way last week was it going to I can't remember where it come from now Come from Reykjavik I think uh, yeah that was fine about
2: I mean I've I've earlier this year I got four um, Super Tucanos being delivered to the Afghan Air Force it's just it's it's safe. It's it's one of those places. It's civilian, but you'd,
0: you'd never know. It's, ba- it's the bulk of it's military. I'd love to have a. I'd, I'd love to go for a day out the fence and catch some cool military stuff. And and and, yeah. and yeah. The,
3: the the reason for it being so heavily used, Dan. I think I'm right in saying is because it's uh, the least fog bound airport in Europe.
0: What, really? really? So <laughs> so I've read.
3: Yeah, this this is, this, this is why this is why um it gets all of that kind of exotic military and cargo uh movements
2: well i'm moving to uh west scotland now then i'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm
0: going to stop there. i'm sure it's buddy but it sounds like a chicken clucking away yeah <laughs> that's buddy i'm sorry he's eating his tutu trade
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should yeah. maybe we you should have grab introduce up. buddy now he he's so buddy is my or our newest He Yeah, we need to we need to get him on the podcast one day. And he's got a little red train that me and Grace have called the Choo Choo train because he chews it a lot. So <laughs> that, that is what that. God. That's, I'm, I'm just not gone, a fan of that.
1: In the background, this guy's a pilot. <laughs>
0: uh, Tom, he was, <laughs> was a <pilot>. F
1: <laughs> X sky God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We should Where do a po- podcast, podcast mascots uh, uh, plug. A cat, a rabbit, Ian's dot or Evie. Oh, no, that's, Evie. you can't have a baby as a mascot. That's quite cool.
1: And Gordon's B2 really? picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Gordon. I hope it's been a, a good chat and a nice little trip down memory lane. Absolutely. It's
3: good, uh, been good to talk with you guys again. So thanks for thanks for inviting me along. And I uh, hope mm-hmm. to take part in another one.
4: Yep.
0: Hopefully, one day. Um, we'll get Come on again. The, let's mean, have a let's have a proper Scotland. More, more Scotland stuff, maybe.
2: You chat a lot less shit than what I do. That
0: way. <laughs> it's not hard. Oh, shut up, Sam. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you to Gordon for coming on. It's it's been really interesting to chat about. I mean, air shows. I just I had no real I like, no no real knowledge of. I think I it, it's. 2013 they ended and and for me that was when i was just starting to get into air shows quite heavily so yeah um thank you everyone for coming on the show again i know it's been a a, a few weeks since we were all together so it's been quite good to get the gang back together if this is your first time listening to the ucar uh, the uk air show review podcast um you can follow us on soundcloud on spotify on apple podcasts and plenty of other uh, podcast providers as well we're on all the social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, at UK Airshow Review and there's also our forums which we've mentioned before where Dan posted his photos you can check out or you can come on and join the discussion and, and share your memories of Scottish air shows, which is at forums.airshows.co.uk and of course the main website is airshows.co.uk um, where we've got uh, past reviews of said shows that you can check out and, and take your own trip down memory lane with So thank you very much for listening and catch you on another episode. Goodbye.